Welcome to the Deep End. I am Hamed, and joining me is my good friend and sports prodigy, Mo. Hey, man. How you doing? Um, how's everyone doing out there? I know we haven't talked to you guys in a while. That's because I was uh, I was sick uh, last weekend, so I was in no shape to really get on and, and talk. I just kind of wanted to give it my best, so I have to make sure I was full and healthy uh, when we got going. And uh, I think, uh, Hamed, you want to uh, talk to him about our uh, our episode today. It's a little bit a little different than what we're normally used to doing. Yeah, um, we figured we have a lot to catch up on with the games and stuff. And obviously, if you listen to the podcast, obviously, obviously, first off, um, thank you for listening. But if you are listening to the podcast, we are going to assume that you follow the games or you watch the games and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we feel like maybe since we're so far behind, maybe just, you know, recapping the past two weeks would be a little bit tedious, maybe a little bit, you know, wordy. And we don't want to really get into the whole nitty gritty of the stats. So today's going to be a little bit different. But casually, we are going to go down the Premier League table, talk about each team, you know, give our basic thoughts on how they've done in the beginning of the season and how they're going to move forward if they're or what they need to do to keep continuing that success that they have. Obviously, picks on who's going to win the league. Um, we're going to squeeze in some breaking news in there, you know, regarding Barcelona. Uh, we're going to talk about, obviously, uh, Ole Solskjaer's job security over at United. Uh, casual episode, I think, to catch us all up, you know, give a little, you know, casual vibe from next week. We're back. Oh. Yeah, man, I think yeah, that's man. it's going to be nice to have uh, kind of just go off the dome, you know. Like you said, very casual. Just two friends sitting in a, you know, a sports bar, or just sitting at sitting at each other's homes. Just you know, just talking sports. And I think it's going to be a nice, uh, going to be a nice change of pace for sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, so without further ado, let me get started because I actually wanted to talk about this team. Uh, if we're gonna go down to the tables. We are going to see are currently in first with uh they are leading in point league and I believe clean sheets as well. They're doing fantastic. Yeah, they're just doing fantastic. Uh when it comes to their defense, when it comes to their midfield, when it comes to their offense, they are just doing so much things. They have so many things. Thomas Tuchel has definitely built a contender. And not just a contender, I fully believe that Chelsea are going to win the Premier League this season. It has been, I believe, nine, ten game weeks so far, and I'm, I just the 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 depth that this squad has is very intimidating. I know that a lot of other squads, namely Liverpool, have maybe played better or had better defense. But if we're gonna talk about depth alone, it's Chelsea's title to lose at the moment because. I feel like it's a long season. Injuries are bound to happen, and injuries are starting to happen. Um, when you look at Chelsea, you know, they have a very deep rotation of players, players that, you know, could easily make the starting 11 on any other squad, but they're basically, basically on the bench for Chelsea. And, you know, I'm not even going to talk about anyone specific at the moment until you, like, get into it yourself. But Chelsea, they have been literally the most impressive team for me in my eyes in the Premier League at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely for me personally not the most impressive just because of 
For me, it's Liverpool. I'm just going to say right now, Liverpool, is, for me, is the most impressive just because of how they started the season. They didn't start well at all. I remember you and I were, you know, sitting and talking on a certain podcast here that, you know, Liverpool got to get their stuff together. They got to get situated. They're in trouble, yada, yada, yada. And it seems like after we dropped that episode, they kind of just skyrocketed and they've been trending upwards ever since. But Chelsea is, they're, they're I feel like, Klopp and Thomas Tuchel are both both very good managers and they're very tactical managers, but I feel like Tuchel has the edge when it comes to tactics just because of his plug and play, the way he, the way he does it with the players. Just plugs this guy in somewhere, this guy in somewhere else, and just it just works like magic. Like it's just flawless execution. That is definitely attributed to the players. The players are world class. They got some really good players. But you can, you definitely can't take anything away from um management uh for sure uh, thomas tuchel and i i think that they they do have a an amazing all-around team and they, there isn't really a flaw in their team but i just feel like the person you might pick to win as of right now if you ask me who's gonna win the premier league i'd probably say liverpool just because they're so hot and we've seen what this team can do when they get hot we saw what they did the year they won a championship they were undefeated for i don't remember how many games they were undefeated for so for for a, a crazy amount of games until they finally lost that one game. But I feel like when this team gets hot, especially the way uh, Mo Salah is playing right now, he's just in the form of his life, and they're just feeding him the ball, and he's getting it done every which way. So for me, Liverpool are in second right now. They're just one point behind Chelsea. Anything can happen, obviously. Any team below him can jump up as well. But for me, I personally think Liverpool is going to take the cake based off what I've seen right at this very moment up until now. Again, a lot can happen, but for me, it's, for me, it's Liverpool. Right. And, and, and that's, that's obviously like a really, really good point. But again, like I mentioned, I feel like Chelsea is at least too deep, like two players deep at every position. If we're going to literally just go down the list for like a second, you have obviously Lukaku up front. You have, you know, Timo Werner right behind him. You have uh, Christian Pulisic, the the American superstar on that squad. You can easily plug in Mason Mount. You have uh, on the right wing. You have Mount. He does usually start at the right wing, but you also have you know Hudson Odoi. He sits on the bench, and uh, Hakim Zayech, who is also on the bench. We're talking about this midfield of you know Jorginho, Kante. You know you are you have players such as like Kovacic. You have players such as you know. Uh, I think I I'm struggling to remember his name at the moment. It was who? Oh, Havertz. Kai Havertz, the guy who scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. You know, they they're just mm-hmm. too deep at every position. If I I'm not going to get into the defense, but they are definitely deep at the defense. You have players such as Ben Chilwell and, you know, Marcos Alonso. You have Espelicueta and you have Reese James. You have a fantastic trio of uh, Rudiger and Christiansen. And um, and and Trevor Shaloba, you have a lot of really solid players on the squad. And honestly, yes, at the moment Liverpool is playing better. I feel like they're playing more impressive, mostly due to Mo Salah's amazing run of form. But at the same time, like I said, we still have like at least like twenty seven, twenty eight game weeks to go. It's a long season, and it is definitely not a sprint. It is a marathon, and I feel like Chelsea have this squad that if anyone, unfortunately, does get injured, whatever the circumstance, they definitely have someone that can step up to that role, as opposed to Liverpool, 
you know, if Mo Salah gets injured, his 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 replacement is who? Uh, Diego Jota, and and you have you know obviously Mane and Firmino running up top. That's okay. He's he's a good. He's a great player. But still, he's not the guy that's going to get you to the Premier League title. The same goes for Firmino. If Firmino gets injured, you have Divock Origi as your uh, as your backup, or else you're going to plug in someone such as Jota as the striker. Like I said, like they have options, but the most of these options are players playing out of position. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to disrespect Liverpool, but like just their transfer strategy last summer just honestly just hasn't worked out they are just planning for the now and not for the future and when i say the future i mean like you know in case of injuries or in case of whatever like a player leaving a player being sold you know etc etc um but if i'm gonna go you know i'm gonna like segue over to liverpool for a little bit obviously one guy is definitely responsible for this fantastic run of form it is mo salah who is definitely at the moment the best player in the world right now Without a doubt, 100%. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. He is definitely, in the at the moment, the best player in the world. I'm not talking about the p- best player in general because I know a lot of people are going to see, you know, Ronaldo or Messi and stuff like that. They have the longevity to call themselves the best players. But Mo Salah, at the moment, is just the best player. We are talking about world-class goals, like goal-of-the-year contenders, week in, week out. You know, first one against City, the second one against Watford. And then going again against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League, this guy has scored in the last, what was it, the last nine Premier League games, and I think ten games in total. So this guy is just doing fantastic. He's definitely carrying the team on his back. He is auditioning for that contract extension because, uh, as everyone knows, he has about 20 months left on his contract, and he's already stated that he wants to retire in Liverpool. He wants his last day as a footballer to be in that club, but it's not up to him, obviously. A lot of people are saying that the only thing that's holding up the contract negotiations is his terms and his demands because they feel like he's he's asking for a very high wage. But man, like, who else are you going to give this money to? Like, he's right, just doing I mean, really good. He deserves everything. Like, he deserves all the money you have. <laughs> exactly, bro. Like, cut the check. Get this done. Because I guarantee you, you will regret, you know, waiting until Mo Salah gets a better offer from another team. You know, you never know. There are teams that will throw down that kind of money, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. You have players, like, he's already been rumored with PSG, he's already been rumored with uh, Barcelona at one point, but it is mostly PSG, and PSG definitely have the funds to get him, and I'm pretty sure they would automatically try offering Salah a contract if Kylian Mbappe ends up going to Madrid next summer, which everyone expects he will, but, you know, we just hope that won't happen for the sake of Madrid not succeeding, because I am not a big fan of Madrid. Either am um, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, other than Salah, like, honestly, they're, you know, the team's doing well, of course. Uh, Salah, obviously, being the top, the, the top goal scorer in the league right now with 10 goals. He's also fourth. Uh, with five assists, uh, fourth in assists with five, but he's also tied. There's like a three-way tie for second, so he is technically second. Um, Liverpool also have the most goals in the league as a team. Uh, they have 27 goals as opposed to second place uh, Chelsea at 23. 
So they're obviously on. They're just offensive juggernauts in the league right now, and it is uh, very impressive to see. I am kind of concerned for the the durability of these players because, like I said, it's a very long season. If Liverpool can finish off the season like relatively healthy, then I can definitely see them winning the Premier League title. But again, like I said, it's a long season. You know, you never know what's going to happen. The second one injury hits, or the second. You know, Salah just has a few few games where he doesn't score as often or he doesn't play as well as he often does right now. I feel like Chelsea are going to capitalize on that and maybe try to build a lead between them and the, on the table. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see. Like you said, injuries are obviously, you know, you can't account for injuries. That's for sure. They're just part of the game. It just happens. But that remains to be seen, you know. So we'll we'll kind of see what happens and... Hopefully, obviously, you don't wish injuries on anyone. So hopefully, everyone stays healthy. All the players in the league, everyone, you obviously don't want to wish injury on anyone. So hopefully, they all stay healthy and it goes to plan. But um, we can go transition into Man City, who have been a little bit. I mean, they've been winning games. Don't get me wrong, and they have some. They've won some games by like a crazy margin. But something about Man City, I don't feel like there's that. There's that like real excitement around the team like there was last season. There isn't that like that hype around the team like there was last season. I mean, they pretty much pretty much have the same players. I mean, they just added uh, Jack Grealish, who you know some people have their opinions about him, but um, if you most people you ask, they, they'll say he hasn't been living up to his hundred uh, million uh, pound um, you know price tag. But, yeah, 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 but. I mean, that's just people will tell you different things, but I feel like their team is still like they're so very, very, very training. They have lost. They have lost a game. Liverpool haven't lost a game yet. Would they're ahead of them by um, just one point? So it's not really a big deal. But they have been on a nice run of form lately. They've been beating. They've been beating a lot of te- a lot of good teams lately. I mean, yeah. Well, they beat Brighton in the league last last time. 4-1, so a pretty decent scoreline. They did win in the Champions League 5-1, and they, I mean, that's a, a Bruges, they're a perennial Champions League team. So. But when they were tested against Liverpool uh, a few weeks back, they tied 2-2. So uh, that just kind of goes to show they haven't been really, like, performing like they used to, we're used to seeing Man City perform against the big teams. They beat Chelsea this year already, but... Against like the really really big teams, we haven't really seen them perform. And that one loss came against Tottenham. So first game like of the said, season. First yeah, game of the season. Yeah. Yeah, it was one nil. And like I said, it's like I don't know. You're just gonna have to kind of see what what he does with these players. You can never doubt Pep at all. And it's just again that glaring not having a striker thing is just really really hurting them. Because mm-hmm. yeah, Ferran Torres can he does get plugged in at striker sometimes and he does score goals and gabriel gabriel jesus same thing with him he can score goals as well but scoring goals is different than having a guy that just is just has that attacking mentality and has that like just knows for the goal like some Luis suarez of the world or you know anyone on that level on that caliber that just knows how to score goals you know they need that guy to to win and i mean their midfield is insurmountable and their defense is just it's a wall, you know, but that's the Very only thing. Wall. Yeah, true. That's the only thing they're missing, though, is just that that one striker. I feel like if they get that striker, they could honestly jump to favorites in the in the league for me, in my opinion, at least. 
No, I definitely agree with you, and um, and and I do know that you mentioned that they don't definitely do not have a true striker, and I definitely agree with that. But at the same time, dude, we are talking about a team that has twenty points, that is literally one point off of Liverpool for second, and two points off of Chelsea for for first. That's scary for them to not have a true striker and for them to keep plugging in players um, at strikers, you know, such as obviously Riyad Mahrez, uh, Sterling, Graylish, Foden. They're, these are just a couple of names that have been used so far at striker. Obviously, Gabriel Jesus, but he is naturally a striker. But um, it just shows to me how scary this team is. If you can literally experiment with your team to see who can play well at striker and still manage to stay third in a very, very competitive league. I honestly just, I don't know who's going to be able to stop Man City if they can, if they can sign a premier striker, like an elite striker next year, uh, like the likes of Harry Kane, the likes of, you know, obviously maybe someone older, like Luis Suarez, who, who has been kind of lit, you know, rumored every now and then, obviously the same with Robert Lewandowski. If you can sign any of these fantastic strikers, I don't see who can stop Manchester City because, like I said, this is basically like a a rebuild, like a not not a rebuilding year, but like a retooling kind of year, trying to figure out who can play what position. You know, Guardiola's you know plugging in and trying to figure out who can play. You know, who can who can kind of get out of their positional box and play well, and they're still in third. That's that's beyond impressive to me. And we've seen players that like that are starting to thrive at 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 um Manchester City. Not Jack Grealish, obviously. Jack Jack Grealish has been I I'm not going to say he's been bad, but for a guy that is supposed to be the most expensive English Premier League signing in Premier League history, he is not living up to that contract like you mentioned. 100 million pounds should get you at least a couple goals. You know, a couple of assists, you know, a guy that maybe doesn't focus on the stats as much, maybe focuses on the on the hustle. But we've seen none of that from Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is not in the top five of scoring. He's not in the top five of assists. When we talk about hustle, we don't really mention Jack Grealish that much. You know, we play, we obviously mention players such as like, you know, N'Golo Kante, uh, Fabinho, Jordan Henderson. You know, Jack Grealish is not in that conversation. So he's not doing well this year. And that's kind of you know, a surprise to me because I felt like he would have definitely been a leader on this team after Sergio Aguero left, considering they don't really have a striker now. I feel like Jack Grealish was maybe the guy to step up into that role and maybe at least play not maybe not even as like a full on striker, maybe as a false nine, because Guardiola loves that false nine formation. But no, we haven't seen any of that from Jack Grealish yet. But, you know, as a whole, this team is just very dangerous. Like I said before, for them to be retooling and basically trying to figure out what they're going to do with their positions and for them to not have a true striker and still be only two points off of, you know, the top spot is just, it just goes to show you how dangerous Manchester City is no matter what they're missing or no matter who's injured. Yeah, they're they're definitely still a scary team no matter which way you look at it. And that's why I'm saying, like, all they really need is if they get that full striker, man. I think it's a done deal. I think it's curtains. Like it's their lead. The league should be theirs. And then now fourth place, we got West Ham. Um, West Ham is a great team. They're some people tend to forget about them as like maybe like the forgotten London, the Crystal Palace, but Crystal Palace are a lot further down in the table than West Ham is. But 
West Ham, they got off to a really good start and everyone was kind of like jumping on their bandwagon, including me. I mean, I was really impressed with what they were doing, like the likes of Mikel Antonio and uh, and those guys. Uh, ben Rama got off to a great start in the season. He's kind of calmed down a little bit since then, but he's still he's still he's still doing well. Um, but yeah, they're they're in fourth place and it's it's relatively close with them too. They're they're at uh, seventeen points, so. I mean, they did lose one more game than Man City, so that's really, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. They're, they're definitely a team that have been very, very close in their games as well. Um, they just beat Tottenham one uh, nil. I mean, it's just one nil, but it was still, it was still a good game. Uh, their last uh, league game they played, and they've been, they are in the Europa League, but I mean, they're still winning in that too. So. They've they've shown that they can they can win. They lost a tough game against Brentford. I remember that game was a tough game. The the last goal Brentford's goal was, scored. I'm sorry, it was in like the 94th minute or something. That was a very hard fought game. So their games are very hard fought. They have a great team. I really like their team. I like the I like the midfield. I like the defense. You know, uh, Cresswell, Suchek, uh, Sufal, all those guys are very they're very interchangeable. They can they can do a bunch of different things. They can play a bunch of different positions. Uh, ben Rama, he's still good in my eyes. Obviously, Mikel Antonio, and their de- uh, their goalkeeper actually is very underrated. Uh, Lucas Fabianski. Fabianski, he's, yeah. He's had a great year. He's made some amazing saves with them. So, do I think they're going to win the Premier League? Probably not. But if they can keep this top four spot that they have right now, that would be actually pretty cool. I would, I would, I would like to see that. I would like to see them in the Champions League because they, they definitely have as far as squad goes on paper. Their team definitely deserves to be in the Champions League, and they've been playing hard, and they've been playing. All their games are close. They play every team hard, and I think that midfield is severely overrated. They just they can do like I said, they're very very flexible. Uh, crosses into the box, you know, long through passes, even scoring goals. So and then Mikel Antonio, they just have a stud, you know, up front. So they have a really good team, and I do I do want to see them um, keep that top four spot. Hopefully they can. Yeah, you basically said everything that I wanted to say. They're definitely one of the more underrated squads in the Premier League, and not a lot of people appreciate what they have. Just literally going down from the top to the bottom, like you said, from starting from Fabianski all the way up to Mikel Antonio, who is literally breaking records, it seems like, every two weeks now. And obviously with a very talented midfield, a very durable midfield as well, uh, they're, they're just a really good squad. And I would definitely love to see them in the Champions League. I do remember last season that they were going on a very, very good run. And I believe that they slipped up. I think it was the last during the last two to three games where it kind of felt like they were slipping out of contention, and they eventually did. But uh, I am definitely hoping that they could keep the, you know, the good run of form up at the moment and may, may, hopefully for the rest of the season. And then we could see them in the Champions League. I definitely would like to see them re-sign uh, Lingard. If, uh, for those of you who don't know, Jesse Lingard was basically riding the bench for Manchester United last season. And I believe he was in during the January transfer window where he uh, accepted a six-month loan to West Ham. And he was a baller at West Ham. He was fantastic. Personally, for me, he's the guy who literally saved my life when it comes to like like fantasy. Picking up Jesse Lingard last season for for my fantasy team was literally the best decision I could make. I was definitely like, I think I was like 40 to 50 points down off of first. And I made that comeback only purely because of Jesse Lingard. Because that guy was just literally scoring week in and week out. 
And I feel like West Ham could literally just they they literally do may they might need to overpay because Manchester United do not they sell their players for cheap, knowing that the club that they are. But I feel like at this moment it would be definitely deserved. Like you might have to dish out some extra money for him, but like do it. Because you have such a fantastic midfield and you literally just added Ben Rahma this this season. Imagine what a midfield of Ben Rahma and and Suchek and Lingard could, you know, accomplish together. That team would just be very dynamic together. They'd be very fantastic. Jesse Lingard is obviously already familiar with the the system that coach David Moyes has set up at West Ham United. And I feel like you literally just need to plug him into that midfield and they would be one of the more dangerous offensive teams in the league. There are, they already have a fantastic uh, defense. I feel like maybe Jesse Lingard is literally the only guy that they're missing. Not for them to win the Premier League. I definitely do not expect them to win the Premier League, but to definitely keep them top four. I feel like Jesse Lingard is enough to keep them in top four and eventually, you know, have them play in Europe next season. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I really hope they, they are in the UEFA champions because, like I said, they deserve it. And then in the fifth spot, this totally caught me by surprise. Brighton. Oh, you and everyone spot. else. <laughs> yeah, I I literally never expected them to be in the fifth spot. I can't lie. Ahead of teams like Tottenham and Man City. Damn. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that soon, but damn, like, that's, that's pretty crazy. And is- the results haven't been really stunning. They've drawn a lot of games. It looks like their last, like, three league games they've, they've drawn, two of them nil-nil. So it's nothing to really, like, you know, wow about. It's more other big teams have been dropping points and losing games, like Tottenham and Man United and Arsenal and those teams, which we'll get to. But uh, they did have a notable win against uh, Leicester City. The nineteenth, couple uh, about a month, about a month back. Uh, Neil Malpai, he's he's been really good. He's kind of the guy that stands out to me from that team. Um, he's been very, very good. He's he knows how to score goals. He's their reliable penalty kick taker whenever he needs one. And and Bisuma as well. I've noticed that he's been playing really, really well in midfield. He's been making those runs, um, putting in some dangerous balls. Other than that, their defense, eh, Duffy's okay. And they got um, uh, Cucurella, who used to play in Getafe in Spain. I'm kind of familiar with his game because I see him quite a lot playing Barca. He's he's a good player. He's a good defender. He's kind of like a Rudy Alba and um, Marcelo. And he makes those forward runs, and he gets, he gets into nice attacking positions. So he's a good pickup for them. But like I said... I'm not saying that they they're not a they're not a good team because they are. I mean, but I don't think they can really sustain this once the bigger teams wake up, and Man United wakes up, and Tottenham wake up, and Leicester and Arsenal and those guys. Once those teams all wake up, I can see Brighton kind of sliding down just because their last few results haven't been too impressive for me, in my opinion. Yeah, one of those games they probably should have won. The game against Arsenal, I remember, uh, that was a very tough game. There was a lot of chances for them in that game too. So. I don't know. I don't think I don't see them keeping this up, but who knows? Anything could really happen. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree when it comes to Brighton. Uh, I feel like the only thing keeping them—no disrespect, obviously, to the team—but I definitely feel like the only reason that they are in the top five at the moment is because of their defense. Their defense is definitely one of the best defenses in the Premier League entirely. Um, Robert Sanchez. He's been a very, very good keeper this year. He's not he's not had as many clean sheets as he'd like to, but he's had a couple. 
And um, when it comes to saves, he is definitely one of the more agile keepers in the Premier League. He's definitely, in my eyes at least, he's up there with the likes of, you know, Mendy, David De Gea, Allison, uh, Ederson, all those guys. And uh, he's he's been very good. And Shane Duffy, who has been really, really good for that team, he's, his defense is just fantastic. He's very technical. He doesn't really, you know, mess around too much with the ball. You know, he just stops the attack, obviously just passes it forward. Uh, you have other players such as, obviously, Dunk, uh, their striker, Neil Malpe. He's fantastic as well. I believe they also have Danny Welbeck, the former Arsenal striker on that team. I'm pretty sure he's there. Uh, he's been doing well so far. And uh, Basuma. Basuma was definitely the early surprise uh, early in the season, and he was playing very, very well. Uh, up until he got a little minor injury, and he, I think he got sidelined for, I think, two weeks. And then after that, he got arrested. He got in trouble with the law for... I am not sure what the details on the case is, but I do believe it was for assault. I'm not sure. Since then, he's been in legal proceedings. He hasn't been playing well, or he hasn't been playing at all, actually, technically. Um, but no, he was definitely a very good surprise early on in the season. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to return. I definitely hope he does because, uh, like I said, very underrated squad, very underrated team. Not sure if they're going to keep up in the top five, but with this defense, if they can keep up playing the defense that they can, I definitely do not see them slipping far. Like, at the at the very most, like, they can maybe finish seventh in my eyes. Seventh is, is, is I feel like, is a good spot for them. Um, yeah, and that'd be, that'd be good for them. I mean, and, and just to piggyback off what you said about the defense, They've allowed nine goals. Man United have allowed fifteen. So yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely something to look at. It's just like I said, great defense, fantastic defense. Uh, heading up into sixth, we have uh, Tottenham. Tottenham. Uh, I honestly, they're. I know it's sixth is is good, technically when it comes to how competitive this league is. But honestly, out of these teams, I feel like Tottenham, maybe after Manchester United, have been the most disappointing team. Um, so far for me, uh, Tottenham, they're built to win on paper. They are, they have a very good coach in Nuno Espirito, who, like I said, or like we mentioned before, is coming in from the Wolves, who he did wonders with the Wolves. Um, if we're going to talk about on paper, they have a very, very good squad and they've made some very, very good signing. You know, you have Rugulian, you have, you know, Sanchez, you have Eric Dyer, you have, uh, Tanganga the right back you have players in midfield such as you know Steven Bergwijn you have uh, Lo Celso you have Harry Winks you have a lot of these really really good players and then obviously up top you have the dynamic the dynamic duo the partnership that we've you know we've all come to love over the years between uh, Harry Kane and uh Min Son but again you know Son is doing okay so far I feel like the injuries that he's racked up have maybe affected his form uh, but Harry Kane is being injured. Harry Kane is not injured. Harry Kane is a changed man this season. He is not the player that scored 30 goals last season. He is not the player that both took home the golden boot and had the most assists in the Premier League last season. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe I feel like he's mentally checked out of this team. You know, therefore, you know, him not being as productive as we're used to seeing him. But Harry Kane is definitely not even in the top five strikers in the Premier League right now. And it's really disappointing to see because when Harry Kane plays well, he is definitely one of the top players in the league, if not the world. 
And being a top player in the Premier League is basically saying you're one of the top players in the world because of how competitive this league is. So it's really disappointing to see that he's basically... I'm not saying Tottenham is doing bad because of Harry Kane, but it is definitely on him to try to try to carry the team on his back because we've all seen that he can do that. He can definitely carry the team on his back and carry them to victories, but they're not doing well. Like, we're talking about a team that has won five games, sure, but they've also lost four of them. And uh, a lot of these te- a lot of these teams that they've lost to, they're not like fantastic teams. Like, sure, we saw the the first week when they beat Manchester City one nothing when Harry Kane wasn't playing, and we thought that oh okay maybe we don't need Harry Kane. But then Harry Kane decided to come back for Tottenham to to Tottenham for one more year, and we said okay that's fantastic if you can you know play off of what you did in front of City in the season debut. I feel like we both said that Tottenham was going to do fantastic things. I still remember you saying that you definitely had Tottenham as like the Premier League like not not winners but like at the very least contenders like that top 1 top 2 kind of thing. But they've been disappointing ever since. I do not understand why and it's it's weird. Coaching, their their coach is fantastic on paper, they're really good. When it comes to the field, you know, things just get lost in translation over there. Yeah, and they're definitely a team that underachieved. I mean, there was a point in time where they were first in the league, which wasn't that long ago, but still, they've definitely overachieved. And I think it's, I don't want to say, I don't want to put everything on Harry Kane, but a lot of the blame has to go to Harry Kane. Whatever he's going through this year, whether it's mentally, whether whatever it is, he's not, he's nowhere near the shell of himself from what he was last last season, so... And Son's doing everything he can. I mean, Son can do everything himself. You know, he can't score all the goals, but he has been scoring some some great goals. And the defense is is doing all they can too. Hugo Lloris has been a little shaky though. I must say, he's he's looks a lot better with the French national team when they play. Um, from when from what he looks like with Tottenham. But again, I I mainly want to say that I think Harry Kane, if he had been playing better. There were some times where he it's like he wasn't even playing. Like I remember when they faced Arsenal, it was a it was a derby game. Like and you could not even find this guy. Like you couldn't no one knew he was even playing. Like there people were looking for Harry Kane that game. So I feel like if Harry Kane did step up this game this season, uh they would have a little bit more points at this point. They definitely wouldn't be like one or two, but they would have they would be a little higher up in the table. But this is just you know, disappointing. They're allowing thirteen goals. And guess who they play next weekend? Man United, who's right beneath them. So that's going to be a very good game. Both teams are going to be fighting. I mean, 15 and 14 points respectively. Both teams are going to be fighting for a win. Uh, No one wants to draw this game because that's just going to benefit Tottenham. It's not going to benefit them much anyway. So either way, both teams are going to be gunning for a win. I think it's it's going to be a very interesting game. And I guess we can segue, nice segue into Man United themselves, who have been in my opinion, severely underachieving as well. Like, they they have not been doing well at all. I mean, yeah, Liverpool's on a lot of form, but to get beat that way, 5-0 like that, no, that's that's unacceptable for a team like Man United with all the players they have and all the talent they have, and supposedly, right. quote-unquote, the coaching they have, which we'll get to later. Um, and then losing also to Leicester City, 4-2. Leicester City have... They have some good players, yeah, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't really be beating Man United like they did. It felt like I feel like every time Man United gets beat this year, it's been an effort thing and a coaching thing. It hasn't been like 
a player thing for me. I feel like it's been mostly like a tactical thing, and the player and the and the players haven't been giving effort really, you know. And that also comes from the coach. The coach has to wind his team up and you know get them to buy into their his tactics and whatnot. I feel like that's where that's what's getting lost with uh, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And I mean the, the the numbers don't lie. I mean you're getting beat. You're getting beat by some teams that you should win and. The game they lost to Everton. I mean, they it looked like they had that game too in the first half. But like I said before on this podcast, Man United are yeah, they're a one half team. They they either win it, they win it in one half. They play one half of the game essentially. That's it. And yeah, they they cannot do that. They can't afford to lose to teams like Aston Villa. They can't afford to lose to teams like Everton. No disrespect to those teams, but. I mean, you can't afford to lose teams like Leicester City, even with with the amount of players that you have. It's just, it's, it's crazy because they've been, they got off to a decent start and they were winning. And everyone was when Ronaldo got there, you know, he was scoring goals. He was doing the last minute thing that he always does, score goals in the last minute. But you, you got to come with something better than that in the Premier League with teams like all the teams are getting better. And honestly, I wouldn't even put them as a favorite against Tottenham because it's kind of like a toss up at this point. Both teams are are really underachieving and both teams are just not in a good place right now. So it's going to be, it's going to be a desperation time. I come uh, the 30th on Saturday, it's going to be desperation time. So that's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch. But like I said, both teams are severely underachieving for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, piggybacking off what you said with uh, the coaching, I definitely agree. Not even just talking about tactics wise, but look at the personnel that Man United have. It is insane to look at this, the team sheets for this game and to think that, you know, some players aren't getting as much game time as they should be and others are getting more of the game time than they deserve. Like, if we're going to give a few examples, players like Fred, they should be... They, bro, Fred should not be on a soccer field whatsoever. I honestly feel like Fred is maybe the worst Brazilian to come out of, like, to be playing professional soccer. It just seems like he doesn't care. Like with the plays he makes, it's just like it's just crazy. that man is. That man is just so careless. I I I'm not like even a United fan. I do not have any sympathy for this team. But Fred is just he makes me feel bad. He he definitely does. And then you have players like Mason Greenwood. Yes, okay, he's an academy graduate. Yes, he is the future. But you have players on the bench, you know, Jadon Sancho, he's only had seven appearances so far this year. Zero goals, zero assists. And I feel like that's not entirely on him. I feel like that's also on the coach because the coaches are putting him in a, in a position to succeed. And all of that is is debatable. The only thing that I feel like is not debatable, and this is a tragedy, by the way. This is truly tragic. Donny van de Beek. Donny van de Beek was a one of the brightest midfielders, but one of the brightest young midfielders in the world a couple of years ago with Ajax. He was part of that golden trio with uh, Frankie de Jong, you know, uh, Mathis de Ligt, and, um, and, you know, everyone knows where those guys ended up going. Frankie de Jong is obviously a very, very integral part of Barcelona at the moment. You have Mathis Delict, who is definitely like he doesn't play as often as he should. But then again, you know, you have Chiellini, you have Benucci, both playing at center back. You're not really going to bench one of those legends for Mathis Delict, but he's definitely going to be the anchor of that defense when one of those players, you know, ends up retiring. But Donny Van de Beek is the 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 short end of the stick. 
you know, he goes to Man United with the promise of playing, you know, you know, developing his skills and, 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 you know, trying to be, you know, continue the stepping stones that he's taken so far to like greatness. But ever since then, ever since he's come to Man United, he's literally been riding the bench. I generally do not know how many games he's played, but I think it's literally not more than like five or six. And we're talking about a player that's been on this team for at least 12 to 15 months, something like that. It is just awful um, to see. And I feel like that is mostly to on like on Ole to blame. I, I blame Ole for that because I feel like this player, no matter what you don't like about him, no matter what he does, he definitely deserves some playing time. You know, there's there there are players on the pitch that are playing that I don't understand why they're getting playing time. Like like I said, I mentioned Fred, uh, Scott McTominay. I do know that Scott McTominay is mostly a central defensive midfielder. And I know that his 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 role on the team is to basically just, you know, play good defense and stuff like that. But a lot of the games that I watch with United, it kind of feels like they they just don't have any build-up plays. You know, if Bruno Fernandes is having an off game, there's literally no chance for them to have, like, a good build-up play. Most of the goals that are going to come in are probably going to come in from, like, a penalty or a corner or anything like that. You're not going to see, like, a good build up to that play. And Donny Van de Beek could be that guy. He definitely could be that guy. Same with Jadon Sancho. Jadon Sancho, you know, he run he runs down the wings. He was definitely one of the more better players when we saw him last year for Borussia Dortmund, or we've seen him for the last couple of years even. But you know, these players get to United and I feel like for some reason they just don't get the playing time and they don't get the chances they deserve. And I put that on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, I that's that's what I, that's, I agree. I mean, everything's on him pretty much, just because on paper, like you said, you got players that should be playing and they're not playing, and there's no excuse for that. And it kind of reminds me of someone we'll get it to later, who certain someone just lost his job um, as of tonight before we recorded. So we'll get to that later, though. But they do kind of both remind me of each other in their in their tactical ways or lack thereof. Uh, anyway, let's move on to Everton. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I have only watched two Everton games this year. One of them being the one last week where they got thrashed against Watford. They lost 5-2 to Watford, and that's saying a lot. And um, they did not look good in that game. Granted, granted, granted they have a lot of injuries. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is out. Uh, Decore is out. Um, they've, they, so they've, they've had pretty much two of their really good players out with injury. But they did tie with Man United, like I said earlier. They did steal that against Man United, this whole point. But, yeah, not much to say really about Everton. I haven't really watched uh, much of their games. But all I know about them is that they've been riddled with injury a lot. And um, they're suffering from it. I mean, they're, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a, is a prolific goal scorer when he's on form. So losing that is obviously going to lose you some points as well. And Decore was really well for them too before he got uh injured so um that's pretty much it about them they're in the eighth spot um they got wolves next on monday so i i can i can see that one being a draw or i can see them winning like 2-1 but um i don't really see them yeah a spot or two of other teams drop points but just because of like their injuries to like pretty much their best player um it's going to be tough for them to to really move up significantly at least yeah 
Yeah, no, I've I've seen uh, a few more um, Everton games. Not as much as I should, obviously, but I, you know, I I do catch them. And uh, obviously, yes, injuries are a big part of why they're struggling this year. But I feel like there are a lot of players on the squad that are that were very good last season, but also haven't made that second step. Uh, I'm mo- mostly, mainly talking, looking at Richarlison. Richarlison has been here for a couple of years now. I believe this is his third year, maybe even fourth year at Everton. And he came in from Brazil, obviously, with the promise of being, you know, the next great left wing, you know, the next great guy forward for this team. Uh, I think it was during his first year, he played mostly left wing. He didn't do that well. He did okay. Uh, second year when Ancelotti was uh, still uh, in charge of the team, he kind of transitioned him over to, to to striker. And he definitely did much better as a striker, but then, you know, he just plateaued. He he just hasn't been scoring goals that often. And then, obviously, Ancelotti left, and Rafa Benitez is back with Everton, you know, coaching them again. And he's basically going with the same thing that Ancelotti did. You know, he's just plugging him in at striker, but Richarlison is just not doing that well uh they definitely they definitely miss uh dominic calvert lewin but they also have players that are stepping up to the spot you know in his absence you have players such as you know demai gray you have uh solomon rondon who are both been really really good they've been definitely been proving that they do deserve the playing time when the main players that are injured come back from injury um another thing that i do want to complain about are is there are there defenders their defenders everton had one of the best defenses last season and i believe the season before that but they've definitely taken like a very big step down uh this year uh i am definitely gonna point or you know my finger over to luca digne who the french defender who is definitely like a very very like good defender the past couple years but he's definitely like i said you know they've definitely taken a step down and luca digne is definitely the first guy that comes to mind when it comes to that uh, players such as Yeri Mina as well. Yeri Mina, he came in from Barcelona a couple of years back. He was fantastic in his first year with Everton. And then, you know, I'm not sure what happened after, but, you know, he just hasn't taken any steps forward. He's basically been the same player for a couple of years. And, um, you know, you have Michael Keane, but he's obviously up there in age. I feel like Everton, they're just, you know, sticking in place. And I feel like, yeah, I know that th- this is a transition year. Due to the new coach, I know that this is a transition year due to, obviously, the players that they're used to having, such as Dominic Kevert lewin being injured. But, you know, like, again, not a very impressive uh, team at the moment. Uh, honestly, them being eighth is kind of generous at the moment. I definitely expect them to finish around mid-table, you know, from that 10th to 12th spot. And, yeah. That's just basically it. They just I, I'm not sure how to fix this team at the moment. Would it be transfers? Would it be having a healthy squad? There's a lot of question marks when it comes to Everton at the moment. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Like I said, I don't think they'll move up at all. It'd be pretty generous if they did move up. But uh, next in line is Leicester City. And um, they're also been kind of eh so far. Um, I do like... Uh, what what's his name? Uh, Daka, Patson Daka. He's I think he's from Z- Zambia or something. He's he's not really known, but they've been plugging him in pretty well, and he's been scoring some nice goals for them, and he's been coming up in the clutch. 
Uh, they had that crazy game against Man United a couple of weeks ago that they showed up really well in, and they won, and Dhaka scored the winning goal, and they scored like... They scored a goal in the 78th, 83rd, and 90, 91st minute, essentially, to win it. Um, so they've been, they have their games where they can play good. Uh, Ian Nacho is making some good runs in the box. He's assisting. He's scoring some goals, too. Jamie Vardy's always a goal threat. Um, Yuri Tielemans has been scoring just absolute bangers from outside the box. Like, it's his job. So yeah. he's one of the guys that's also good. James Madison, they're still good. They have a good team. This is one of the teams that actually... Their midfield could be a little better. Um, Tumare and Castagna have, haven't been too great this year. They've been okay. They do have players off the bench like Iozzi Perez, who's pretty good, and obviously Pat Sindaka. But I think that this team shouldn't be slept on for sure. I know they're ninth, which isn't too great, but I definitely don't want people sleeping on this team because um, they definitely have the striking power and the offense to go through. Yeah, their defense might be a little lackluster, um, but, I mean, they've allowed they've allowed 15 goals, which is the same amount that Man United have allowed. So it's not like they've, they're allowing some crazy number of goals. They're, they're pulling their own, but they can just get a few more wins. They're in, a, like a, they're in a four-way tie right now on points, so including with Man United and Everton and Arsenal. So they can just kind of, you know bust out a little bit and get a couple more wins, I think they could move up. So I think I see this team, for instance, moving up above Everton. I can see them passing up Everton for sure. Right. So, and, and depending how Man United do, maybe even pass up Man United if Man United keep up this poor run of form that they're in. But I really like Leicester City. I, I really do like them. I've liked them since, you know, since the 2016, since they won. I definitely do like this team. And I hope they, they do get into like maybe like a fifth or sixth spot. Yeah, no, I, I can't help but feel for this team because, like you said, they're really, really good on paper. Um, you know, you mentioned the 2016 season. That's obviously, in my eyes, honestly, one of the best solo campaigns in sports history. I'm not going to talk about football slash soccer history. You know, to get, you know, promoted from the second tier to the first tier and then, you know, go on that magical, you know, run with players such as Riyad Mahrez, Nagolo Kante, Harry Maguire, Jamie Vardy, and for them to win the Premier League title that year, that was just so impressive. Very wholesome thing. But uh, when it comes to this year, you know, they have a few issues. Obviously, when it comes to the defense, uh, I can't really blame them because they have had some really, really good defenders that are injured. They're basically out for the year. Uh, we're talking about James Justin. We're talking about Wesley Fofana who James Justin last year was definitely one of the better prof- better defenders in the Premier League. Anyone who watches the games knows that this guy put his body on the line night in, night out. He was definitely one of the more exciting defenders when it came to the Premier League. And then obviously, uh, Wesley Fofana, getting him getting injured the way that he did in the beginning of this year was just literally just very tra- tragic to see. Uh, Kaglar Sayonso, he's been okay, but like I said, you know, he can't really take the, all that workload by himself. Uh, Ricardo Pereiro, he's been doing okay so far. My only issue with this team that I could, like, you know, complain about is their midfield. Obviously, you mentioned that Yuri Tielmans has been scoring literally absolute rockets, and I definitely agree. And to the point where it's kind of pissing me off because you're he's in your fantasy team, and it feels like every week... That guy is literally saving you and bailing you out, and it's the only reason that you're basically ahead of me in the fantasy league right now. 
But um, yeah, I mean, he's been helping yeah, you out a lot. That's for sure. He's 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 definitely been very clutch for you. But my my problem with the midfield are or technically is uh, Harvey Barnes and James Madison. Uh, these two last year were very very good. They were definitely very bright to the point where a lot of player or a lot of teams were asking about James Madison. And I remember that Arsenal were very very aggressive in their pursuit in signing James Madison because he definitely looked like a one for the future kind of guy. Harvey Barnes was also one of those like he was also one of those. You know, very young prospects that could potentially be one of the best uh, in the world, even. But again, uh, he got injured very badly. I believe it was around March. I think it was an ACL injury as well, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, and that definitely, you know, hindered his progress. But since then, he's come back and he's trying to come back from his injury. And, you know, he hasn't been doing that well. But, you know, you can only hope to see that he comes back to the form that he was in during the beginning of 2021 because he was fantastic. He was. Very electrifying. He was really, really good at crossing. You know, he had a great, great, great shot. Um, he definitely, like, shot rockets, you know, the the same way that Yuri Tillmans is doing this year. And James Madison, he hasn't been injured, but again, he's just, I don't know, he's just taking a step down. Last year, he was fantastic. He was definitely the guy that they could go to when Jamie Vardy was having a tough night or Ihenyacho, because anyone who remembers last year, uh, Ihenyacho was basically their savior. He definitely just scored week in, week out for like a good two months. And he was definitely the best player on that squad for quite a bit because I believe Jamie Vardy was injured. Um, but yeah, on paper, like you mentioned, very good team. But, you know, when it comes to the midfield, you know, they're not doing the steps needed to take themselves to that next level. And the defense, obviously, lots of lots of injuries. I definitely see them, you know, moving up. I am not sure if it's good enough for a Europa League spot or maybe a Champions League spot. And that's just awful because I remember last year, they were literally in the Champions League spot the last day of the season. And because they tied with Chelsea, uh, they, 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 got, they got moved out. They're the only reason that they're in the Europa League at the moment and not in the Champions League is because of Chelsea. And Man City winning the other game. Mm, I do very unfortunate. Yeah, down. very very unfortunate uh, event because they were literally chilling in third. You know, on the start of that day, and they finished up in sixth. So it was just really awful to see. Uh, moving on to the tenth spot, I believe this is going to be the second to last team that we're going to go in depth with. Uh, it's Arsenal. Um, yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. <laughs> not much, like, I mean, I don't want to say not much to say. They were struggling very hard at the end of the season. Uh, obviously, hashtag Arteta out was basically everywhere. But ever since then, they feel like they've been going on a very good run of form. I remember that they started off the season 0-3. And um, ever since then, they've won four games and drew two. So they've been doing pretty good so far ever since... You know, that that poor run of form in the beginning. Um, I feel like it's mostly due to the chemistry, the young players that we talked about in the beginning of the season. Namely, you know, Boya Kusaka, or Bukayo Saka, I'm sorry, and Emil Smith-Rowe. They've been really, really good for the squad so far. And uh, that that right back that they signed at near the end of the summer transfer window... I'm not sure what his name is, but I do know his last name is Tomiyasu. He's been very solid for the team as well. 
Uh, Obama Yang obviously refining his form with the team. Martin Odegaard uh, finally getting that contract in from Real Madrid. He's been doing really well for the team. Um, you know, they're just finding their chemistry. You know, I feel like, you know, Arteta definitely is not on the hot seat anymore like he used to be during the first three weeks of the season. And it's really, it's really, really nice to see uh, them not struggling because Arsenal obviously are one of the strikers in the Premier League or even just a little ball street, I guess. And uh, it's good to see. You can only hope for them to build more on that. And if they don't, you know, the memes will always entertain us. Yeah, I think with uh, with Arsenal, what really helped them um, was Arteta kind of figuring out the lineups. He really got the lineups down, and it's because his seat was getting so hot that he just he had to figure something out, or he was done. So, um, Sambi Lakonga playing in midfield that was actually a very good addition. Tomiyasu has been has been just on fire for them in defense, and he he took out Calm Chambers. Rob Holding, and he tends to go to Nuno Tavares um, on the right wing. He's he's also been super solid for them. He's saved them a couple games here, and ever since that five that five one or five nil, whatever it was, they lost when Man City scored five goals on them. That was the last game they lost. So they've they've won and they've drawn nil nil against Brighton and two two against Crystal Palace. I do think they should have lost that Crystal Palace game because they they were not good at all and Crystal Palace had a lot of chances that went begging, but yeah, like I said, Arsenal is a team that I think if they keep this lineup and Arteta just sticks with this because it's been working, he'd be stupid to change anything right now because it's been working for him. So if he sticks with this lineup, I can see Arsenal actually moving up a little bit and getting some points. I don't see him. Definitely, absolutely not getting a UEFA Champions League spot. There's just too many teams they'd have to beat out for that spot, and it's not like the it's not like Arsenal are are going to be flawless. You know they have a tough schedule coming up. Uh, they actually play they play Leicester on Saturday. It's going to be a tough game, and then they do play Watford, which could be a game. And then they have Liverpool. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't see them getting a lot of points in this run, but they can steal they can steal a game against Watford. I think and maybe draw against Leicester if they're lucky. But I think they, um, I think they'll probably stay where they are. I don't see them going down much, maybe moving up one, but definitely not going down like they were in the beginning of the year. And then we will end with Brentford for the Premier League. Uh, Brentford obviously newly promoted Brentford, and they the, the hype before they even got in, like like before the season started, the hype was around Ivan Tony because he was just so prolific, scoring goals in the championship, and. Um, they, they've been, they've had a good team. They've surprised a lot of people. Obviously, like not many people know these players and not really well-known players, but they've been performing really well and they've been getting them decent. They have a couple Spanish players on their team that actually stood out to me. Uh, their goalkeeper, for instance, uh, Raya, and he's been, he's been really good. Actually, he's been very, very underrated. He's been saving them a lot, making some really good saves. And... I think they they try and play through Ivan Tony, but at the same time they have players like Embuemo. He's a very creative midfielder, uh, and forward he he plays at forward, and um, Frank Onyeka, he scored a few goals for them this year, and they've had a lot of close games. It's not like they've been getting blown out by teams. I mean they've they're losing to teams like Chelsea one nil, you know Leicester City two one. They beat West Ham in a crazy game. 
Uh, again, Buemo, like I said, he was one of the players that scored that game. Um, so they've been they've been very close with teams. It's not like they're getting blown out of the water. I actually do see them. Their Wolves are ahead of them right now. Uh, they're ahead of them by maybe one. Yeah, one point. That's it. So it's a long season, but I do see I do see Brentford kind of going up. Actually, I definitely see them staying in the Premier League. They're definitely not getting relegated. As far as that goes, they're definitely here to stay. But how far they move up remains to be seen. But they have what it takes to definitely stay in the Premier League and be exciting. They've proven they can be a very exciting team. And it's, it's good to have a team like that. It's good to have a nice feel-good story from a newly promoted team. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, a, a really underrated part of that team that a lot of, not a lot of people are talking about are, is the defense. I know you mentioned the goalkeeper and stuff like that, but people um, such as, you know, uh, Jansen, you know, he's been very, very good for that squad as well. And uh, coming off of that, obviously, we're talking about Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony, I think I feel like I say this every podcast episode. But again, I mean, honestly, man, I know it's still the championship, but still, like, 33 goals, 9 assists, it is... Very impressive, and he's you know it hasn't translated as well in the Premier League. He's not obviously like topping up the charts. He's not obviously in the top goal scorers at the moment, but he's doing well. He is he's translating well to the obviously the the harder difficulty of the Premier League. He's he's doing all that he could. He's assisting like he used like he used to do in the Championship, and I feel like yes, I agree. They are definitely definitely not going to be relegated, and I'm very glad to see them stay in the Premier League. But I feel like, man, like, you know, the sky's the limit for this team. You know, they obviously got a very, very large sum of money for making it to the Premier League. And I'm pretty sure that they're going to use most of that money there, you know, for transfers and things like that. And it's really, really nice to see because I feel like this team is just a couple of stars away from being, you know, like mainstays in the Premier League. Never, ever, you know, being in contention to be relegated. And that's really, really nice to see because, you know, like we all know, this is their first Premier League campaign in 74 years. Mm -hmm. No, it's very nice to see everything they've been doing. And you really do hope that they can stay here in the Premier League. And I can definitely see them, like you said, just missing maybe one player. And I think that'll come with them staying in the Premier League. They'll attract more players the more they stay and the better they play. Uh, uh, so that wraps it up for the Premier League. We can kind of segue into some breaking news that happened about an hour, two hours before we, we got on. We were, we were not. We were going to end off the podcast episode like literally right here until like an hour ago. Yeah, it's it was just crazy. I mean, yeah, Barca fans. So what happened is Barcelona had a game today coming off a loss in the Clásico against Real Madrid over the weekend where they just looked like they have been looking for the past I don't know this season really they've been looking the same they look bad they look flat no one's interested no tactics the list just goes on and on I've said it before I don't want to go into it again but they lost to one nail against Rayo Vallecano who are by no means a good team um and I'm not even going to sugarcoat it or say anything but they're they're just not a good team and they have no business Beating us, they're fifth right now because they they beat us. They jumped up a few spots, but I mean, it's it's still not a team that has any business competing with us. And something that Barca fans have been clamoring for, which is what happened, is Ronald Coleman has been has been sacked as a head coach, and mm-hmm. fans like mm-hmm. me, 
who have to think this is a long time coming. Yes, it's been a long time coming, and it's very mysterious as to why nothing has happened. And I guess this was the last straw that just broke the camel's back, and they said, "All right, that's it. We can't, we can't do with this guy anymore. We're giving him chance after chance." Laporta has came out and said, "I'm backing this man, even after some like really bad losses." He came out and said he's backing him. Yada yada yada. But now it's just. He's finally seen the light that all the fans have been seeing. Finally out. And as far as replacement goes, there's been a lot of rumors swirling around Xavi Hernandez, who's obviously a Barcelona legend, who has tiki-taka just ingrained in him. It's in his DNA. It's part of him. He doesn't know anything else other than tiki-taka. He's been coaching in Qatar. Um, his team has been doing very well in Qatar. Um, but... This begs the question, and I was talking to one of my friends who's also a very a diehard Barca fan like I am, and Xavi's, <clears throat> his his level at Barca, his legendary level at Barca, everything he does will be amplified. If he wins, he's going to be king of the world. He's going to be on top. If he loses, it's going to really hurt him, and the fans are going to... Just because everything he does is going to be amplified. If he loses, his career might be, might be over. I mean, that, that could be a stretch, but... If he wins, he'll be awesome. But at Barca right now, it's we just don't have the players. We don't have the players. So I don't know if I want to put him in that situation where his legacy can almost be tarnished just because he might he might have a hard time. He's gonna have a hard time this season. And you know, Barca is this season's done for us. There's no way we get. I mean, we we get the league this year. There's no way we're six points behind the league leaders, but still. There's there's no way we're going to get it just because of the way we've been playing. So does he want to step in? Is he Does he want to take that take that role and take that risk and be like, okay, listen, we haven't been doing good this year. Are you going to try to turn around? Are you going to try to rebuild? I say rebuild because there's no reason to try for first. Try for top four, obviously. I mean, you can't have Barcelona not in the UEFA Champions League. Let's play with some pride here, you know? And... I prefer him over anyone else just because he's a Barca legend, like I said, and he he knows the DNA, he knows the system. He's, it wasn't that long ago where he was playing Tiki Taka himself and winning trebles and winning you know UEFA Champions League and and uh, La Liga trophies and all that stuff. So I think he's a good, he's the best option we have. But I think he will be crucified if it doesn't go well for him, and I don't want to see him get crucified because he's a legend. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you. Um, I remember texting you, or yeah, I do remember texting you the news. Obviously, we get most of our news from Fabrizio, Fabrizio Romano, who is, in my eyes, the best sports journalist when it comes to soccer. And his base, his word is basically the word of God. And I remember the second we were talking about, you know, the Barcelona losing to Roy Vallecano. Um, you know, as the game was happening, and I remember, you know, you kind of told me that, you know, Bayern Munich is losing to uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. You know, we we got manhandled today. We lost five nothing in the second round of the DFE Pokal Cup. Uh, I'm not gonna go too much. I'm not gonna go too off topic. But anyways, um, I remember texting you that Coleman got sacked, and I know we've been talking about this for a very, very long time, and we feel like Chevy is definitely the most qualified coach at the moment to really take up the reins and become the coach. And he definitely has the support of some really, really good 
players that played at Barca, basically Barcelona legends. The latest player to support him being in, you know, being thrust into that coaching world at Barcelona was Santi Cazorla, who is definitely one of the more appreciated players in the game of soccer. Um, Xavi is obviously a very good coach. He's he's been doing very good at with that in that Qatari league. Uh, I believe the team is called Al Said. And he's that he's won seven titles in the last two years with that team. Obviously, there's a difference in quality between Qatar and, and Spain. But I feel like Xavi is up to the challenge uh, for Barcelona. I know it's kind of a risk because, obviously, if he doesn't produce results, you know, people might confuse that with his legacy at Barcelona because, obviously, Xavi being the player at Barcelona is different from Xavi being the manager at Barcelona. But I do feel like, you know, the diehards in Spain or, you know, basically around the world might confuse his legacy as a player to, you know, compared to a coach. Uh, I feel like he's ready and I feel like he's definitely the best choice because the fans at the moment, they need someone that they can trust and they definitely trusted in Xavi. Um, I feel like he's definitely the guy to take Barcelona back to where they should be. Obviously, he has to pair that with Laporta's you know, money, his transfer strategies, they did definitely do have to rebuild a little bit, but I feel like Chevy's the guy that can properly develop these players, and I think he can do wonders for players such as Pedri and Ansu Fati, you know, the young players that are doing really well at Barcelona at the moment. Yeah, man, it's just, it's it's very refreshing. I mean, I'm sure it was, <coughs> excuse me, when I say it was a good day for Barca fans today, despite all the agony and just pain we've been through this year, there, there has been a collective sigh of relief that's been, you know, gone around pretty much the entire world. Barca fans all over have just been like, I mean, I'm I'm getting texts from people like different countries, you know, people here in different states, like just Barca fans is telling me like, and like this actually happened. Like, yeah, it's t- it's a little late, but thank God it just happened because yeah, now yeah. we can kind of yeah, now we can kind of start to like breathe and. Focus on what's next. Focus on the next games. Maybe focus on rebuilding. We can. We know we're gonna have the Tiki Taka back. Maybe we can attract players now. Yeah, like this that, and the other. Where stuff we couldn't do in Coleman was around. No one was gonna come play for us. No, we weren't gonna attract Erling Holland with Ronald Coleman at coach. We he, that wasn't gonna happen. You know, maybe now if we start picking up the pace a little bit, we start showing that we have some tactic. We have some strong tactics to our team. Maybe our players can get on board. I think then we'd be more suitable to people in the transfer window. Yeah, yeah. I feel like with a proper manager, obviously Laporta being the good president that he's been so far for Barcelona, paired with uh, the players that everyone's talking about are the players that have been pretty much shining at Barcelona at the moment. Memphis Depay, uh, Pedri, Ansu Fati, the guys that are Frankie de Young, the guys that I've already mentioned I feel like, you know, this is definitely a very right step in the, in the right direction for it. I'm actually, there is some updates that I literally just got right now. Uh, Fabrizio Romano just tweeted out that Barcelona board has been, like, they've been in contact with Xavi literally since weeks ago. The talks will continue today to check the situation with, you know, his Qatari team, see if they, see if they can buy out his contract. The announcement is not imminent at the moment, and the process has just started. But Chevy is definitely, you know, interested in the Barcelona job. 
And in the meantime, since they obviously uh, they need an interim coach, a guy that was just mentioned at the mo- in, in this tweet is Sergi Barhuan. Do you, I personally do not know who that is. Do you know? Yeah, I think he was something in the. Um, he was the Barca B. Yeah, he was the he was the head coach of Barca B. He's the one I talked about a few weeks ago on our. Few weeks on my ago. Podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, uh-huh. he's 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 definitely a great uh option because I remember we talked about him for a good chunk of time a couple of weeks back. Uh um yeah, yeah, he seems like a very solid interim coach while they, you know, they work out the details of the buyout situation with Chevy. And like I said, you know, for your sake, you know, I'd love to see it because only because I know how much of a fan you are. You know, hopefully Barcelona's back. Hope so, man. Oh, one can only hope, and we'll just take it game by game. I know my expectations have dropped a little bit, but that's okay. I just wanna, I don't wanna aim high and get disappointed. So I'm just gonna kind of stay here, stay level where I am, and just game by game, game by game. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap up everything uh, this this week. Uh, we do hope that you you guys appreciated the you know the change in pace um that we went out with this week uh you can follow us on twitter to talk about anything that you want to talk about on the podcast anything that you want us to mention you can follow us at the deep end pd that is the deep end pd you can also follow us on instagram at the deep end podc that is the deep end podc we you'll always find breaking news you know new episode alerts questioning uh you know q and a's Things like that, always up on our social media. You can always find us there as well. Um, you know, looking forward to your, you know, comments. You know, anything that you guys want us to talk about, like I mentioned. And yeah, that's that's basically it. You, is there anything you want to close out with, Mo? No, that was good. Just um, we will be doing another Q and A on Instagram um, shortly. Just kind of taking taking your guys' picks on what you want us. If there's anything you want us to talk about, so please don't be shy. Put us in the DMs. You know, um, we'll give you, we'll talk about anything you guys want, really. So it's going to be nice to get a different um, perspective from you guys. But as far as this podcast goes, it does it for us. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.